Do you know what this sound is? It's a Fiat Cinquecento made in 1969, but driving down Tuscan backrows on a stunning day in October of 2023. Join us for the ride. Buonasera tutti. Benvenuti a episodio 133. Do you want to try that, Tommaso? 133. <laughs> Good answer. It does have a lot of um, in there. 133. That's really exaggerating. You know I can't roll my R's. You can't roll your tongue. That That's the core issue. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have been so excited about this episode for months. Well, at least since October of October 17th, to be exact, from 2023, when we drove to vintage Fiat Cinquecentos around Tuscany. And since our recent episodes have followed the itinerary of that October trip, we are finally at the Cinquecento Day. However, first, just a quick note about another episode we discussed last week, and that is a short, maybe 10-minute episode that will describe my travel planning in more detail. And Tomaso here had the brilliant idea to have a link to it on our website, which is kimberlysitaly.com. So you can more easily refer to it instead of searching through our 133 episodes on the various podcast platforms. And all the other little bits and bobs there. We have like 145 pieces of Oh, when we had shorter episodes, right. et cetera. Yeah. Bits and there. bobs. That comes from our English friends. Yeah, bits and bulbs. <laughs> I love that. Especially when Janice says it. Bits and bulbs. Well, we will be recording that this week and hopefully by this coming weekend, 1st of February, I think it is, it will be on our website. I had all good intentions I'm being honest here, to record it this past week, but I got so busy with current clients' spring and summer upcoming trips. And that is because the closer it gets to their vacation, the more excited they become. And then all of a sudden, like one couple this week, they decided, we will book that private boat in Amalfi after all. The way you described it was so amazing. How can we not? Or... As another client just told me yesterday, the entire family held a vote (laughs) and they decided a day driving the vintage Fiat Cinquecentos was more important than the somewhat high-end cooking class that they were going to take in Rome. I hope they're listening after this episode. (laughs) Right. They're going to learn something. They already did learn it. No. They're taking it. This is going to be a bit more detailed. Oh, I see. I see. Well... That all came about because during my initial phone call with him, and this is the dad that is planning this entire trip, he asked me what would be something different and memorable. So I mentioned our Fiat Cinquecento Day in Tuscany, which is what we're going to talk about in this episode right now. And he, that was it. He's like, done, let's do it. So the family held the vote and they're going for it. 
But do keep in mind that I have so many unique and memorable experiences that I arrange for my clients. And that is why they love it, quote unquote, more than any other trip ever. Best trip ever. So there you have it. (laughs) Allora, on to our trip. There are a handful of vintage rental car companies all over Bellitalia. That morning was so picturesque, the perfect Tuscan day that you could ever ask for. An intense blue sky without a cloud to be seen. Not too warm, not too cold, simply perfetto. The villa where we were staying has a very long drive with a gate. So I was waiting outside that morning because I was so excited. And when I heard the engines coming up the hill to the drive, you you cannot mistake a Cinquecento engine with anything else except for perhaps a very loud, very old vintage Vespa. Or a very old lawnmower. <laughs> that has a totally different sound and feel. <laughs> I don't get excited over a lawnmower. Two very charming and funny Italian men drove up the drive and it looked just like a movie scene, to be honest. The beautiful weather, the cute cars, the cypress trees lining the drive, and of course, two very nice looking Italian men. And one of the owners of the company was there and he gave me the rundown of the cars and claimed that the older one, which was a screaming red Cinquecento, from 1969, had a frisone sensibile. And that means... I'm waiting. A sensible... No, not sensible. It sounds like sensible. A sensitive clutch. Yes, it did. Right? We'll go into it. Right. But naturally, I said to him, oh, non c'è problema, because I then told him, I drove a 1973 Fiat Cinquecento from Milano to Palermo, Sicily, back in 1995. His with the mafioso, as a matter of well, fact. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we did. We did go into that. Unbeknownst to me, total mistake on my part. But regardless, this man's expression was priceless. He was just staring at me, and I think for a millisecond there, he was impressed that an American had that experience. And after he got over that, of course, he started like hands flailing and everything. He was going, Dio mio, que brava, que maravilla. That is, I love that word, maravilla. It's like, how marvelous. He was so impressed that I did that. So the two of us were chatting about my trip and everything else instead of getting any more instruction on the car. However, he did mention before he took off, he looked at me, his final parting words were, non guidare sulle strade bianche, which means do not drive on dirt roads because these cars are too old to, so just stick to normal paved roads. Question, has he spent much time in Tuscany? He is Tuscan. I get that, but there's... You're being snarky. <laughs> I'm being snarky. <laughs> he should he should know um, tourists better by now, right? But he did say that. That was his parting words. And we have mentioned before that Strade Bianche means dirt roads. But most of them in Tuscany are white from the type of stone in that area. So white roads is the literal translation. 
And there's also, let me add, a lot of potholes on these Strade Bianche. And I looked that up and they don't have a translation for that directly, but buque means a hole. So there were a lot of buque along the Strade Bianche. <laughs> so Tommaso and I took the older red Cinquecento with the Frizzone Sensibile, the sensitive clutch, and Oleandra and Beppe took the 1974 white one. And it was funny, from the very first release of that clutch by Tommaso, driving down the gravel drive of the entry to the villa, and it just, you know, it was new to you, it would have been new to me, new to anybody, because we're not Italian. <laughs> But those two men drove up to the villa as smooth as could be. And we, on the other hand, exited the villa not quite the same, right? Let me go over that clutch here for a second. Let me just oh. let me just lay the lay out some some background of this clutch. So they so they informed us that second gear was very powerful and do not downshift oh, right. into first gear. Right. Yeah, because you might going uphill. You might decide to downshift to first gear, but Don't just do it. give it some more benzene or give it some more gas, right? Just, you know. Right. Okay. All be good. <laughs> what, so he said. What they did not say, that first gear was a bit finicky. But let me just step back on some little history about my own driving experience. My first car was a used Fiat 128 Spider convertible with a manual transmission. They didn't come with automatic transmissions back then. I bought it in the summer of 83, right when we got back from San Diego from our winter training for the America's Cup. I was in California all winter, and I needed some wheels for the summer. And, well, it seemed appropriate. Newport well, summer convertible. Right. And at the time, you it considered me, yourself a little rock star because you were on the America's Cup team. It, 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 took, me, it took me about 12 <laughs> seconds to convince myself to buy that car. <laughs> I have been driving a manual transmission for quite a while. Uh, I'm very used to them. My first Audis were manuals, and although it doesn't have a clutch, I find myself putting my current Audi in manual mode once in a while. There's no clutch, but it feels good to downshift and upshift. And it's fine. It's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. This clutch was not the same as a lot on of the things. On the Cinquecento. The Cinquecento. It was like a difficult mother-in-law. Oh, my God. Or a, vo what? <laughs> or a volatile first date. You hold just, you hold on. I'm sorry. We did not have a volatile first day. No, we didn't. But you could. Thank I, you. I've had a few. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just don't know how far to push it before all hell breaks loose. Oh, Dio mio. <laughs> I mean, once you stopped and had to put it in first to get it going again, you pushed the pedal down. Way down. The and clutch. It was, yeah, and it was tight. It took more effort than any other clutch that I've ever Wait, driven. Wait, this one that we had right yes. now, you're talking about that? Yes, my, yeah. my left, my left um, quadricep is still built up from it that day. <laughs> and when you got on an incline and you're trying to balance it with some gas and teasing the car into gear so you don't roll backwards. Yeah, that was bad. And not too much so you don't stall out or dart out into the oncoming traffic when it jumps into gear. Right. <laughs> so this was a temperamental little baby. And then when you park the car on an angle downhill and you have about nine inches before you roll off the edge into the <laughs> abyss, well, your left leg is on that clutch, your right leg is teasing the gas, and your right hand is grasping the parking brake as you try to get th these three temperamental components to work together. 
with you. It's sort of like the kitten clubs. Oh, for Pete's sake, and it was not. And and people are watching you. Yes, that is very true. And now that you're saying all this, it's bringing back memories. You get my drift on yeah, this. The Italians that are, you know, in the same parking lot where we were, you know, at various places or on the roads as we're trying to enter a three-way intersection, for example, you were a tad nervous because you didn't want to go, uh, 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 like, jerk our heads. You were yes. trying to be as cool as could be. So now that I've laid out this this undercurrent of the day, all <laughs> puppies and chocolate, back to you there, La Capa. Bring it in. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that was a very good description because it was anything but, you know, easy peasy taking off on those dirt roads. Again, the first date was a little bit rough. With this Cinquecento. Not with me. No. Stop referring to that. (laughs) That was another previous date I heard about a gazillion years ago. Well, when we finally got out of the villa property and onto the normal paved road, our first destination was to go to another private villa which I had set up in advance an appointment with the managers, and I have sent several clients there, yet I had not seen it myself in person. So I was really excited, and we all wore kind of nice clothes, and I had mentioned to the manager, oh, I'll be driving with some friends. We'll be in two vintage Cinquecentos. Is that okay? And he's like, of course, our fellow guests will love it. It's like, okay. So we started driving there, And I knew it was in a remote location, but once we turned off that small paved road, it turned into a Strada Bianca Molto Bruto, Bruta, I should say, feminine, within seconds. And Tommaso, you wanted like no part of that because it was five kilometers on that dirt road to the entrance of this other private villa. And I thought, okay. You I, thought, were, I thought I was going to lose some fillings. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought, okay, good point. That's a long way. So I turned around. I was thinking, I'm just going to turn and look through the little back window and make a hand motion to Alejandra and Beppe because this road was, this Strada Bianca was as wide as the Fiat Cinquecento. That was it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to make a hand motion to them to let them know that we'll turn around. So when I look backwards, I burst out laughing because I couldn't see them. All I could see was the white dust bomb from from the white Strada Bianca that we were on. And I thought, I think they're following us. But (laughs) I started laughing so hard and you kind of started to laugh, Tomasa, but at the same time, you're like, I'm not driving five kilometers on this. It was just... So, and he was looking to find a place... I don't think shocks and springs were invented when they built right? this car. So he was looking for a place to like try to turn around, but you couldn't. There was nothing there. Uh, I continued to laugh. I was just like crying. I was laughing so hard. And so... Finally, well, actually, before we finally made the turn, all I could think about, because I I think I recall you saying, I'm just going to go until we find some kind of similar teeny driveway or something. Someone has to be able to turn around in this kind of situation. And all I could think about was my clients who had stayed in this same villa only the month before in September. They loved it. 
They texted me from the minute they got their best place. Most amazing. Oh my God, I'm so happy. Thank you very much. But I had rented them a somewhat large BMW convertible. So I figured if they could make it, so could we. However, they were in a brand new BMW and we were in 54-year-old Fiat Cinquecentos that basically had no shock absorbers. Mm -mm. Is that what you call them? Absorbers? Shocks? Shock absorbers, yes. Or springs or... Or all of the above. All the above. (laughs) So we finally turned around with you basically doing a 30-point turn. Olihanda and Beppe were behind us. And then we finally got back to the paved road. And we decided to follow the route that the rental car company owner gave us, as well as an Italian driver friend of mine that I work with a lot. He sent me another type of driving itinerary as well. And they were basically the same. So I was like, all right, let's go. About five minutes into those directions, we were on the Strade Bianche again. (laughs) Yes, we were. (laughs) Was it beautiful? See? Chocolates and puppies. (laughs) Were we the only other cars on the road? See, was it still dust day for Beppe and Alejandra behind us? Yes. Was it as bumpy as could be? See, finally, Tommaso decided that he could do better if he took his shoes off. So we pulled over to the side of the road. We flagged them down behind us and we said, I said, Tommaso's taking his shoes off. Beppe says, why? Like, I don't know. He thinks he's going to be a smoother driver if we do that. Well, the pedals were little. They were like they were like a a teaspoon on top of a, (laughs) you know, and and, and my my shoe kept sliding off them. Oh, so so if you had your shoes off, you could feel it better. I could go back to my days driving my Fiat 128. Oh, yeah, barefoot and young (laughs) and hip. Okay, got it. Well, while we were there, stopped and Tommaso's taking his shoes off. We all decided to look at Google Maps and see how much further it was to the paved roads. And when you're on Google Maps and switch to the satellite view, we saw that basically we were in the middle of the vortex of endless Strade Bianche, white roads everywhere. How we ended up there, I don't know. From these two driving itineraries that both Italians gave us were like, okay, va bene. Which we were told to stay off of. Right. That's the irony. (laughs) It was so funny. So we're like, okay, let's just like get your backs ready, your neck ready. We're going to bounce around forever and they're going to be in a cloud of white dust behind us. So let's go. However, before we actually took off again, we all collectively decided to stop in the village called Monte Chiello and take a break. Because all of this sounds like it was only a half an hour, but it was like two hours already. (laughs) You go slow on these roads, right? And I was taking a lot of video and sticking my hands up through the open sunroof with the little canvas top rolled back, taking pictures of the dust bomb behind us. And occasionally I would see Oleandra's hand waving through it. It was funny, but we hadn't gotten that far, but it had taken quite a while. So we decided to stop in this village, which I know has the most quintessential drive up to it. And I know that those are paved roads. So we knew we would eventually be on a paved road going up to Montechiello with these cypress trees lining these intense curved like switchbacks. 
it, it was, it's just stunning. So that was the goal. And we made it. Well, we made it after we went kind of straight uphill again, bringing you back to the previous days of driving just in the Fiat Tipo. But here we are in a Fiat Cinquecento, little lawnmower engine going uphill. <laughs> and Tommaso kept thinking, I can't downshift. I can't downshift. I'm going uphill, but I have to like try Let's to stay in some second more or gas. third. Right. And was, all I can think of is when we put, when we, when I opened the trunk up, the gas tank of this held about two and a half gallons. It was a small black gas tank in the trunk. It looked like two chock full of nuts, coffee cans welded together, spray painted black, but that was the gas tank. So I'm worried about the gas as we're using it all the time, giving it more gas because we've oh, been I going on, I on the way. Well, he told us we'd be fine with that itinerary. He told us to stay off the Strata <laughs> Bianchi too. <laughs> Good point. Anyway, so we finally got there and we found a public parking lot and we put our little Fiat Cinquecentos into a space that could only fit a Cinquecento. And I had the pleasure of that spot that would only fit this car if you pulled right up to the edge of a big drop-off. Ergo, the previously mentioned balancing act, clutch, a little bit of gas, <laughs> handbrake, trying desperately to make sure I got in far enough without going over. off the off the edge. And you did. I fought to bad, eh? Yeah. You did well. We're here. We're alive. Right? So we we park and we leave. And we're like, okay. So we started walking. I need a cocktail. We started walking <laughs> up the hill toward the Centro Storico. And I thought in the back of my mind, oh, maybe we'll get a panino or whatever and, and see. I'll show everybody this teeny weeny village that is amazing like they all are but all of a sudden we all simultaneously at the exact same moment saw off to the left a terrazzo with an amazing view like when you're driving these roads and dealing with everything only the passenger can see the view you saw nothing basically (laughs) all of a sudden as we're walking up all four of us saw this terrazzo with this like to die for view of a Tuscan Valley behind this terrazzo and there was one couple at a table all the other tables in this particular area that we saw were empty and there was one couple and they were having Aperol spritzes so we didn't even look at each other we didn't even ask each other we just all bore left without speaking went to the empty table with the view of the Tuscan Valley below the waiter came over, we ordered four spritzes, and we they arrived, and they were huge. Do you remember them? They were in, like, a very tall vertical glass instead of, like, the globe. We're like, excellent. <laughs> we deserve this. And we just had that spritz and looked out, and then when the, when the waiter returned, I asked him for his opinion on the easiest way to drive back to Montepulciano on paved roads. And he stared, and this was in Italian, and he stared at me for a minute. And then finally he said, I get that question every, <laughs> every day, all day. It's the most popular question asked here. <laughs> We're like, well, okay. So we didn't feel like outsiders. So we all decided that Tommaso and I would return to our villa by taking the shorter option because we had to record a podcast episode. 
Do you guys see how dedicated we are to this podcast? And we told Beppe and Oleandra, we'll take the short road, you take the longer road, and they decided to take the route back by the way of Pienza. But the funny part was when we left that little Aperol Spritz Terrazzo, we got back to our parking lot, the public parking lot, and there were tourists and Italians alike taking pictures with their phone of our little cute cinquecentos. More pressure not to screw up with that. It was so clutch. it was so funny because any Italian has a normal or let's say your average Italian has a normal small sedan. And when a tourist rents a car, normally they rent a smallish size sedan because there aren't all that many SUVs available. Yeah, you're not sharing the road with Tahoe. Exactly. And that's not an SUV. That's like big. That, that That's the size of a, of, of a commercial truck over there. Right. Exactly. So keep that in mind when we get to the little parking area. There's all these like normal small sedans and everyone's taking pictures of our teeny little cinquecentos and thought it was so carina. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got in like acting all cool and nonchalant. Yeah, here we go. So Tommaso got in the car, took his shoes off again, all casually, <laughs> and we cruised a bit more smoothly back toward Multipulciano. And again, like I mentioned, the little canvas top was rolled back. The weather was still perfect. The absolutely stunning landscape, all of it combined, just made me so happy. It was a much nicer ride. I was much happier, too, on the way back. Well, we started off on some Strade Bianche, as the waiter told me, just put up with that, and then you will eventually get on the paved road, which we did. But, you know, even when you think about the entire day, the the Strade Bianche or the paved road, it's definitely much more bumpy, slightly uncomfortable, to be honest, compared to the type of cars we're used to driving these days. But... This it can, has character. Uh, well, on top of the character and the cute factor, it brought back such fabulous memories of my old life in Milano and, of course, that epic road trip I had to Sicilia. You know what? I'm going to go back to what I said about the America's Cup there. We had a saying in the America's Cup, misery breeds character. We had a lot of character that day. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. Well, uh, you know, Beppe and Oleandra's car was it had a much smoother clutch. They did not have the same kind Issue, of struggle right. you did. Right. They had a fantastic time. So did we. I think you were just a little frustrated that it was we were jerking around a bit. You wanted to look cool, and sometimes no, sometimes was, you didn't. It was kind of. <laughs> that was good. You guys can't see his expression. I have eye rolls here happening. <laughs> okay. The fact is, the the road was a little bit uncomfortable with that. We, it was totally uncomfortable. And we were told not to be on there. I and all know. I was thinking of, exactly. we don't have enough duct tape to put all this thing back together if it yeah. falls apart on this I road. I was actually worried about the dust. Like, they're going to know. Because yeah. the car, the red car, the cherry red car is going to be like pink. Yeah, there's no scrub-a-dub on the way home. <laughs> drive through when we finally did return to the villa i got out of the car and took a video of tomaso driving down that long long drive his gear shifting i will say was much smoother 
than when we started off that morning. And then we went up into our place and recorded our episode. And later that evening, early evening, the owner sent two other gentlemen to pick up the cars. And they were also very pleasant. And when the one man got into our red Cinquecento, he started the car and drove off as if it were, and I'm not saying this to be snarky. Yes, you are. He's No, I'm not. He started the car. And, <laughs> show off. And, and That's just, what he was. He was a show off. He's Italian. <laughs> That's the answer. He's Italian. He literally drove down that drive, which was a Strada Bianca, as if he were driving a Bentley or that drive, whatever. That drive was a nice gravel smooth. It wasn't a Strada oh, Bianca. Sorry. Whatever. What is the like most refined car in the world? A Bentley, I'm just trying to make an analogy. Like he drove off as if it were the best Mercedes in the world. Whatever. Okay. It's no no personal offense, Tommaso. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you just have to be Italian and, and that's that. None taken. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> After we finished recording our episode, the four of us drove into Multipulciano that night for dinner in our back in our Fiat Tipo, which seemed Downright luxurious. <laughs> it seems so large and so smooth. I thought I was in some very elegant car. It was a Fiat Tipo. <laughs> and you were driving but still. But it, it actually felt like my Audi on the road. <laughs> it was good. It was great. It had been one of those days that just make you smile because literally, how often do you drive a vintage car let alone one on a curvy dirt road or a smooth road, but a road that's lined with cypress trees and endless vineyards for your view behind those cypress trees with this abundant sunshine and the bluest sky. It it was just the best day ever. Yet, I need to say that we were so incredibly lucky with the weather that day because the very next day we woke up complete opposite we're still in the beautiful villa still with the incredible tuscan view but it was dreary and it was gray and then it started drizzling when we were packing up to leave and then a full-on downpour while we drove oleandra and beppe to bologna so they could carry on with venezia but first let me just do a quick update for all of you that have followed the most recent episodes because we mentioned Oleandra's broken wrist from her fall three or four days prior in Umbria. The Again, sausage. The swollen sausage fingers. That was Tom's go-to <laughs> description, which is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, none of us knew, not even her, that her wrist was broken. But as I sat in the back seat of the Tipo while we're driving to Bologna, Oleandra and I were in the back seat and I... I took some photos of both of her arms next to each other on her lap. And we were blabbing away saying like, well, it's still swollen, but it's not nearly as bad as it had been. And she said, I know it's still yellow, but my thumb isn't as dark blue purple as it was. All good. Totally fine. No worries. Fast forward. They went to Venezia for five days and they had the best time imaginable. And after they arrived home to Boston... Tommaso and I had arrived back to the U.S. like two days before. They get back to Boston and I hear a text on my phone and I look at it and it's just an image. No text, no nothing. 
And it's just a photo of Oleandra leaning against her kitchen counter. And her left hand is holding a glass of red wine that she's sipping while her right hand is kind of resting against her stomach and it has a full on cast. (laughs) (laughs) I just looked, I was like, oh, Dio Mio. So I ran upstairs and just showed it to Tom. I didn't even say anything to you. You did, you had the same reaction. You looked and you're like, oops. (laughs) Rut row. It was so funny. So you know what? I think, I think that's where we'll leave you. Next week's episode will be our last two days in Parma. I had not been there since I lived in Milano, and it was Tommaso's very first visit. And let me end this episode by saying that night when we went to sleep in our uh, hotel, and all I can say was that I, I noticed like some blue glow in the, in the hotel room. I look over and Tommaso's got his phone in his face searching apartments for sale in Parma. Yes, <laughs> I do it everywhere. But we loved Parma. Idealista.it. <laughs> oh, what a shout out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> or James Edition, either oh, way. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's okay. a little different. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week with our couple days in Parma. Grazie mille. Bravo. Jumped right Go ahead, go ahead. Do it again. No, no, I can't. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao tutti.